Well, hello there, Lit and Lucid fans. I would like to welcome you back to our show. With Thanksgiving just one day away, Lucy and I would like to wish all of you a happy Thanksgiving and let you know how thankful we are to have you join us in this educational journey. Take some time today or this week to remind yourself of what you are thankful for and reflect on how those things have shaped who you are today. This week we have the pleasure to sit down with not one, but two Sarahs for this week's topic. The Sarah Duo will walk us through what the current workplace looks like for millennials and also what the current workplace looks like in general within the cannabis industry. We touch on some topics such as emotional intelligence, work-life balance, how to progress yourself within the organization, and how employers should view their employees as their most valuable asset. So stay tuned, stay lit, and stay educated, fans. Here's your show. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Lit and Lucid podcast. We are here recording live in the Lit and Lucid studios in Littleton, Colorado, with some special guests, Sarah Howard and Sarah Bouet. Hi, guys. Hi. Welcome. Glad to have you here. Yeah. Glad to be here. We're excited. Thank you. Yeah, we haven't had an in-person guest here for a while, so we're super excited to have you guys on, kind of kicking off season three of the show. Right, I'm stoked to have warm coffee. <laughs> yes, yeah, nice. too. You know, a cold week, kind of with some snow. So yeah, seeing like warm coffee around, like is really pleasing for the podcast. <laughs> I definitely needed it. Right, that's for sure. Nice and cozy. Well, good. So we're going to kind of start things off a little bit differently. If you've been a listener on our show for a while, when we first started the show, we were really focused on millennials. So we really wanted to only target millennials in our conversation, our subject matter. And we quickly learned probably at about after 10 episodes that that wasn't really the best uh, way for us to go about things, that there were listeners of all ages interested in consuming cannabis and wanting to learn more about it. And there were also guests who had a lot of of good information to provide to us that we're not in that you know designated millennial age group and I remember a bunch of times Jared and I kind of like arguing back and forth over it, like oh well, how old is that person <laughs> and we're like oh well they're not a millennial and it was like so silly and we're like well that, that was dumb <laughs> so yeah, I was like, we are not going to encompass this with just millennials we love the millennials but to encapsulate the entire cannabis movement it's going to take you know a view from everybody Absolutely. So we kind of, you know, decided to shift a little bit and broaden our scope a little bit more. Um, But we thought it would be fun to kind of go back to our roots where we first started and talk about millennials. I don't think we actually even had a full conversation on what is a millennial? What do millennials stand for? You know, what does a millennial look like in the workplace? So that's exactly what we're going to do today. We're going to dive into the subject of all things millennials and learn a little bit more about them. Uh, So we have Sarah Howard. She is is with um, Blue Raven Consulting here in Denver, Colorado. And we also have Sarah Bouet with Ally Consulting. Um, It's LA Consulting, you guys. (laughs) Um, So we have both of them. We have Sarah Squared here today, and they're going to just educate us on all things millennials. So we're excited to have you guys here. Thank you. I'm excited to talk about millennials and be Sarah Squared. This is kind of a thing, I think, going forward. Team of Sarahs. Team of Sarahs. Perfect. Well, yeah, we're glad you guys reached out and we made this connection and we're interested to learn more. Yeah, I'm really excited to be on this podcast. You guys are great and I'm excited to 
talk about millennials being a millennial in the workforce is probably my least favorite word in the entire world. Uh, I'm just right? so sick of it, right. but I'm excited to talk about it for yeah. sure. Yeah, I, awesome. I think I agree. I think millennials have gotten a bad rap over the years, so maybe we can kind of dispel any myths and maybe come to a better understanding about millennial. Mm-hmm. Sure. I like that. I mean, we're, we are all millennials, I believe, here at the table here. Um, and it's such a broad age range it is. too i just want to say that first but right. so what is it like 39 to 21 yeah i think so technically it's anybody born 1980 to 2000 okay. but i think the media has kind of extended that even to mean 1980 to 2000 plus anybody who's under 30 plus anybody who's looking at their phone and is on social media <laughs> oh yeah absolutely. <laughs> there's a lot of absolutely. a lot of misunderstanding about what millennial means there are generations following the millennials as well uh-huh. um and i think everybody's just kind of lumped that in as like youth Mm-hmm. Right. Somebody Definitely. reached out to us. It's going to be on the show in a couple of weeks, and they were the next generation down. What is it? Generation Y? Gen Z. Gen, Gen Z. Z. Yeah. And we're like, who is that? And then we realized. Are you that old now? That there's another that. one? <laughs> yeah, we're going to be the ones giving them a bad rap. Right. Hopefully right. not. We'll learn to do better today. We'll need to check the age of the old enough to be on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. I think we're just getting old. So. <laughs> yeah, it's that time. Yeah, I think they're globals because they grow up as like digital natives and in a global world where they can wow. communicate with anybody across True. the oceans at any point. Interesting. That's crazy. I never thought about it time. that way. We'll talk yeah. about them next. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So why don't you guys just kind of start, you know, just explain to us a little bit more about millennials or whatever you'd like to share with the listeners. Um, well, I think myself, I'm one of the older millennials, if you will, um, and or an elder millennial, if you've seen the comedian Eliza um, talk about it. She calls herself an elder millennial because she was born in the 80s. Um, and I've often rejected that millennial title. I kind of roll my eyes every time I hear it because we've gotten such a bad rap over the years. And I don't necessarily consider that I align with everything that embodies the millennial. So in my mind, I think being a millennial is more of a mindset. Um, and I think a lot of us have values that millennials value, um, whether we're in that age group or not. Um, so I like to talk about it more as a mindset than anything else. I'm definitely... A millennial. I'm 26. I'm in the thick of it. I'm a millennial. And the first thing I do when talking about my line of work or whatever it is that I'm doing at the time, whatever projects I'm working on, I totally reject. I'm like, but I'm not like other millennials. <laughs> you know, that's automatically because everyone associates it with being impatient and selfish and short attention spans and not wanting to work hard and that the, none of those things apply to me. Maybe the short attention span, <laughs> but none of those things apply to me. So it's you, you almost want to just reject it even if you are technically a millennial right. because it's gone beyond describing a generation. It's, mm-hmm. it's describing a mindset, but I think we need to turn it into describing the positives of being a millennial Absolutely. instead of focusing on the negatives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think like previous generations, um, Gen X comes right before us. Um, and I technically think that I fall a little bit more in this area, just given how I was raised. It, it depends on many factors. Um, so Generation X often valued independence. They have a very figure-it-out mentality. They're very bootstrapping, um, and they've always questioned authority. Um, baby boomers and traditionalists, as they've aged and, and kind of gotten in more leadership positions in the workplace, they're very about authority and process, personal growth and gratification, and then systematic and authoritarian systems. I think millennials are very different from yeah. those, and that's why we've seen 
bad rap that we've seen. So millennials oftentimes value purpose and solutions to the world's problems as part of their work day. They want to affect those problems. Mm -hmm. And I think all of us want to do that. I I don't think that's unique to millennials, but millennials have this, I think, unique drive Mm -hmm. and and wish to do it every day, not just do that in the office after hours. Mm -hmm. Um, They value servant leadership. They see it as a two-way street rather than a one-way contract. Um, They value experience over salary. So you can give them 100K, it won't matter. Mm -hmm. They want to experience the world. They want to learn while they're with you. They want to understand what you do and how it affects the world. And they want you to give them that unique and fun experience doing it. And the salary just kind of comes with it. Mm -hmm. It's not as big of a driver. Um, And then they value development, learning, technology, and constant improvement. And then, of course, something we talked about is flexibility. Um, So we can talk more about that later, but flexibility is a very big value. In in the terms of work-life balance, definitely. Yeah. So I think all of those values, they're not unique to millennials. I think we're just driving the bus a little bit harder on making those priorities in our lives. Mm -hmm. I think, I mean, if you talk to anyone... If you gave them this list or these things that you value in the workplace, it doesn't matter what generation they are, they would all say yes. We're just kind of, I think our generation is more not willing to take anything less. Right. I think that that's yeah. where millennials are different. I think, I think one, sorry, and I think one thing that helps is one thing that's outlined there is technology. Uh, I think that's kind of the bigger interwoven piece of this that is kind of being missing right now is the fact that millennials are probably more connected than any of the past generations through technology. Mm-hmm. That's through social media platforms. So that way more millennials, I feel like they can also recognize that, hey, there's other people like me or somebody has that, so I can have that. Of course I want that. Right. And so I think maybe now you just see millennials speaking out more about it and we're getting more heard because of having a platform for one to even speak at, speak about it. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. When you see social change happening through those platforms, I mean, you can go back and watch... A big portion of, of the, you know, Egypt is a great example. Years ago, we watched that happen on Twitter. Um, that's kind of cool, and mm-hmm. I think millennials lead that way, lead the way in that way, and we see so much of that happening that we continue the fight. I think we have a new medium that other generations haven't realized is such a great tool to really affect social change. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, what does that look like? Because there's no way they leave that out of the workplace. So they're obviously bringing that to the workplace, too. So what does that look like in the workplace? Are they trying to drive, like, culture change in, at a company? Are they trying to change, like, major policies that have been there for a while? I mean, like, what are millennials trying to do nowadays? And, yes. Exactly that. All of that. So as an yeah. HR person, I think I get frustrated um, with kind of the volume of it or, or with the systematicness of it. But it's a fun process to see that many ideas and that many things come to your table, I think that's what a lot of managers forget is that the excitement and the innovation that comes out of that is is awesome. And some of the ideas might be crazy. Um, some of the things that people are really focusing on being activists in might not fit with your idea of activism, but they're excited and they're motivated to make a change. You just have to find a way to use that, I think, in the workplace. Mm-hmm. So it comes with its own issues. It's management issues, HR issues. But if you can find a way to kind of harness that energy, your company will have the power to be very innovative mm-hmm. if you do it in the right way. And I think that goes directly into the cannabis industry. If you think about millennials trying to change things, if they're in very established industries, it can definitely be, definitely be a lot harder. But with cannabis, 
it's an entirely new industry. And I think you see, especially because it's such a young workforce as well, it is mostly millennials. You know, we're talking about millennials from entry level all the way to CEO and leadership positions. Um, I think we're kind of at the point where we want to affect this change right now at the ground level and make sure that we set the tone for the culture and these and the way we're going to innovate and grow with the market. And it's it can be, I think, good and bad. Again, there's that patience aspect to it. You know, all things take time. And I think we, as a generation, just want to see it happen now. But especially with the cannabis industry, we, we want to make these changes and make sure that they're being done at the ground level so we can set up a great market for the future. Absolutely, yeah. And I think that's where it helps to also have the perspective of, um, I guess, the baby boomers around and um, the generation Xers as well to have that experience moreover to to kind of help us guide us through to like the more basic processes that we're a part of. Mm-hmm. To let us know that, hey, you know, a lot of those things we can't change in a day, but this is why, you know, here's what we have to do and then teach millennial uh, those proper skills. Right. So I still think there's, you know, there's much in the conversation on both sides. I guess the communication is the big thing um, it's in order for both sides to work together to find that purpose for the future. Yeah, I think that there's, I have a little advice to both sides because I often deal with the employee who has great ideas and their manager's not listening to them. Whereas then the very next day I get their manager in my office saying, oh, my employees just have too many ideas <laughs> and I just want to get the work done. Um, I think the employers can cultivate a little bit more of a growth mindset. Really understand that bringing ideas to the table helps create innovation and change. And so you don't know what that one idea could lead to your next year's biggest product. So allow a safe space for employees to put ideas on the table without that judgment and without that, oh no, we can't do that, that's not compliant. Mm -hmm. Well, let's think about how we can do it compliantly or at least foster that ability to bring those things to the table in a healthy way. But then on the other side, the millennials I've often experienced don't always do all the legwork. So they want to shout out great ideas and they're amazing. But I think there might get more traction from those ideas if they're able to kind of do some of the legwork in advance. So um, I was just going to say mm-hmm. exactly that. Um, so I, I'm the type of person that needs new ideas to be implemented all the time. I need things to be better, more efficient, all of that. But I realized very quickly that just telling someone your ideas is not going to get you anywhere. So when I present an idea, I tell them the why, I tell them how this is going to be better, and I show them what I did to come to those conclusions. And I think that that's a, a vital... There's it, there's something about the millennial, saying this as a millennial, where it's just like they don't take that one little step that would be that bridge between them and the older generation. Mm-hmm. Showing that little extra effort. I think is a, is a problem and I totally agree with what you're saying. Yeah, so when I was growing up, I was raised by a very strict military guy. He taught at the Air Force Academy most of my life and he used to kind of, he taught me one thing that was huge to me. He said, anytime you want me to say yes, just do all the legwork and answer all the questions so that you have all the answers so I can't say no. <laughs> so if I wanted to go to a slumber party on Friday night, I'd be like, well, it's at so-and-so's house and yes the mom's going to be here and here's the phone number and there's going to be 12 other girls and I'll be home by eight o'clock come Saturday it kind of blew him away at that point and he had to be like well okay you've got it under control go for it so if you do some of that legwork a lot of times you might be surprised by somebody saying yeah try it out let's see what happens so I did the same thing in college I wanted to get a puppy (laughs) and I had to explain to my parents why I wanted a puppy and I made an entire presentation and by the time I was done with the research of what it, in, it means to have a puppy. I didn't even want it anymore. You're like, we're done. <laughs> I was like, you guys did parenting 
perfectly. That was <laughs> that was just I dug my own hole you there. Talked yourself out of it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, how are millennials doing then as far as the transition into other roles and hierarchical positions, I guess, and like managing baby boomers and people older than them and younger than them? And I mean, how are they as leaders now? Um, well, I think it's exciting to see them rise to leadership positions. Um, one, it's by necessity. They're in our overall society, 10,000 baby boomers are retiring every day. Wow. So that means that there are a lot of management and leadership positions left open. And a lot of training is probably needed to fill those gaps. Um, but millennials seem to be really excited to fill those positions. I think the only big issue is that they're lacking some of that um, kind of natural career progression experience that you get, um, especially in cannabis. The timeline is a lot shorter right. than Way it shorter. has been in other, other industries. And I think in general in business, it's shortening. So you don't have 10 years to follow a mentor and learn how to be a manager anymore and learn those people skills you're kind of put in that position and thrown in the deep end, sink or swim right away. And I think that that's where millennials are struggling a lot. I know I struggled with my first transition to management. Um, Mine was horrendous. It was, I didn't know how to, how to scold somebody or have a a high level conversation with someone who literally three months ago, I'd had the job for three months, was my peer. Right. And then all of a sudden... You're the manager. I'm the manager Mm -hmm. and I'm trying not to step on anybody's toes, but then I become a doormat and it's just... Mm -hmm. It was rough. It was definitely rough. And then, you know, four months after that, I became a trainer. And then six months after that, I was the the head of 10 trainers. And it was just within... A little more than a year, I went from very entry level to a corporate position. Mm-hmm. That doesn't happen in any other industry. Mm-hmm. And there's no training. There was no support there. So even though I made it to that level, it was the most stressful year to yeah. get there. Because I, I constantly felt like I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah, I've seen a lot of rock star individual contributors kind of fail when they get to that management level. Or they carry the weight of the world on their shoulders. Mm-hmm. And they think they have to do it all and they don't have anybody to support them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think even though it, they're called soft skills and the people skills, they're kind of pushed to the side mm-hmm. in a lot of places. I think that those are the most valuable skills for anybody to have, but especially for young millennials to cultivate while they rise to management. Because dealing with people is going to be the bane of your existence if you don't kind of figure out that flow. And I think a big portion of that is really learning who you are so that you can help other people discover that as well. So is that the emotional intelligence portion of your training? Yes. I was just cool. going to say, That's we, the need to, one. we need to teach emotional intelligence in schools, in my yeah, opinion. Absolutely. But mm-hmm. um, learning about that, reading that book, and then just incorporating that into my life literally changed my life. And it changed the way I looked at my career and how I've been progressing. And I wish I could give everybody that book, especially well, millennials, because I think we do lack... Some emotional intelligence. Are you talking about Daniel Daniel Goleman's emotional intelligence? Daniel Goleman's emotional intelligence. Mm -hmm. So he's kind of the father of emotional intelligence, but Mm -hmm. there's a lot. I mean, it's a bit of a buzzword right now, um, but I think it's because we're actually realizing that we need this skill in Mm -hmm. spades. Um, But he has, I mean, he has a bunch of intelligence books. He has also social intelligence and he's, he's the the person that I would go to, to learn about the concepts themselves. Yeah. Yeah, And so he breaks it down into a really easy to follow situation where you start with self-awareness um, you move into self-management and then you can move into team management and team dynamics at that point. So self-awareness is a big piece of it. I kind of have this silly quote, self-awareness will save the world. I think mm-hmm. and a lot of our bigger issues at large in our society right now are because we're not looking at those 
not so pretty parts of ourselves, we put them away and we hide from them instead of working through them and realizing mm-hmm. how they get in our way. Yeah. I mean, I think who you are is how you lead is a quote that I read in Brene Brown's new leadership book today. And that was so profound. I mean, if, and if you don't know who you are, you're probably wreaking havoc on your team. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. Mm-hmm. It definitely bleeds into your, your work life and your personal life. And I think we're also realizing that as a younger generation, we want to maybe separate that more or we're, I think, I think it bleeds a little too much sometimes. I think, we need to learn how to separate it. Yeah, I think that's something that we're all like in this transitional period of, of the world. You know, we're in this very new place. We're on the verge of an industrial revolution, the fourth industrial revolution. Um, everything is changing. So I think part of it is that we were transitioning as well as a human species a little bit. So mm-hmm. we've put a lot of pressure on ourselves. We're going 24-7 in our work cultures. I think the demands are on both sides for a, a change in the way that we work. Because the employer expects you to answer an email at all hours of the night or whatever it may be, show up to something you know on your weekends. But that goes the other way with the employee. The employee expects to be able to go to the gym in the middle of the day, mm-hmm. perhaps, or be able to take their kid to the dentist and have that give and take back and forth, I think, Absolutely. is yeah. sort of forcing its way into the conversation. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I would agree with that. Yeah. And I think that's something that's important for millennials to understand, too, is they're like you said, there has to be that work-life balance. I think that generations in the past have always preached work, 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 and I feel like since the day I was born, I've always preached work smarter, not harder. And I feel like that's what many millennials preach is nowadays, it's not because they're lazy, it's because there's technology and other means of doing things that maybe you didn't do it in 1985, but it's 2018. I said I've, I've said that a lot this year, and it's not good. It's like, it's 2018, there's things that can help you automate your processes. There's... Do you know how many faxes I've sent this year? <laughs> Right, who still horrifying. uses fax? I was trying to book a hotel the other day, and they were trying to get me to fax something, and I was like, "Ma'am, I don't have a fax machine." So, <laughs> and I, I don't know there. anyone right. who does. <laughs> right, it's like profound. we're not going to FedEx. Right, fourteen dollars a page. Like, is there going? Absolutely. <laughs> and so, there's a lot of things that I feel like millennials have to understand. Uh, the emotional intelligence thing was huge. Um, I totally agree that I think everybody, no matter what they do, anybody should have some emotional intelligence training. So it helped them in their own personal relationships with their family members, with their spouses, you know, friends, coworkers, uh, business it makes partners. You, it makes everybody. you a better part of society. Yeah. Emotional intelligence. I really believe that. So in, the biggest thing with emotional intelligence is that it basically teaches you to understand your own emotions and understand how you come off to other people, and then also to understand other people and why you know how they interact and how they compose themselves to you. And then once you understand both sides, you can easily mend together a pattern of communication that's beneficial for both sides. And so that's what basics of emotional intelligence training is. And I feel like there's many different aspects of it. Mm-hmm. Obviously, mm-hmm. you know, for all different people and work types and what you're trying to get out of it. So highly encourage the listeners out there to go check it out. And I mean, just a simple search anywhere can probably pop up something about emotional intelligence, but we'll definitely post a link to uh, that book that mm-hmm. you mentioned, Sarah. Yeah, by Daniel Goleman. Cool. Follow him on LinkedIn. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, so you're talking about, you know, needing emotional intelligence training, but if the employer isn't actively offering that or interested in offering that, you know, what do these people do? So do you feel like employers are taking that next step and being aware of that and offering these types of services to these managers? Or people are literally bud tenders and three months later, they're the manager and they're doing everything. <laughs> Yeah, no, they are not taking the initiative. Um, I 
I feel like when I bring up training, everyone tenses up. <laughs> it's like I feel like Toby from The Office. Like no yeah. one wants to deal with the HR lady yeah. who wants to talk about training. It well, it's, because I just want to point something out because I want to steer the conversation in, in both directions here, mm-hmm. and it's something that uh, one of our fellow we had somebody record a podcast. I can't remember who, but basically he was like the bad part about Canvas too that nobody wants to talk about is that it has stirred up the worst people from all of the industries that were just trying to jump ship and now they're in the cannabis industry and they just don't want to deal with rules. They don't want to deal with regulations. They don't want to deal with the right way of doing it. They just want an easy job. But then there's the other side of people that are trying to actually do this the right way. So you have to like fight both sides to get to where you're trying to go. And I feel like both sides still don't care about training, which, whichever way you cut it. You have, (laughs) you have, you have the people who, like you said, are jumping ship or they think that this is just going to, be an easy ride, an easy job, an easy industry, and they don't realize how difficult it is to keep up with it. So they're too busy not caring to even talk about training. But then you have the other people who are, are just like, what do you mean training? I need to make sure that I don't lose my license every second of the day because there's new regulations. And that's that I do understand more. Um, it's definitely two huge barriers to entry though for training. And a lot of places offer their own in-house training and again, you're getting sexual harassment videos from the 1980s. You're getting training on how to compliantly sell cannabis, but no training on leadership, emotional intelligence, um, even even basic HR things that you legally have to do in Colorado. People aren't focusing on that. They don't care on that. They're like, we wrote it in the handbook. It's fine. We gave them the handbook. But no one's talking about it. No one's training these people and fostering careers. I mean, the turnover rate of this industry is, there's no actual numbers. Let's say that first, because who's done the research on this? That's the other thing. There's so much turnover. Why are they going to invest in training? Because you get a better return on your investment. But that's like, they're like, why? But they don't care. But they don't don't think about that. I'm like, you're literally spending all your money because you don't do things on the front end. And I've worked for great companies that had extensive training programs that I was a part of, and that was wonderful but as soon as I left I realized how rare that was mm-hmm. in this industry when I I would speak to that so I come from a, a couple of companies or have a few clients in my world that are really trying to affect the training space but it's a tough ball game because mm-hmm. we do have all that compliance changes we have to just stay in operation it's tough so it's a really hard competing priority I think I think a lot of people really want to do the right things and want to be the best best in class when it comes to training, but the realities set in and it moves further and further down the list of priorities, right. especially when you have label changes that come out every six months yeah. or whatever it is getting in the way. Literally um, a font change mm-hmm. for one warning on a package can derail yes. you for... And can derail an entire department. So how you make time for an all-day training about emotional yeah. intelligence often feels extra. It feels like too much, but I would like to make the case that if we move out of that mentality of only focusing on the urgent and start focusing on the important, which is training for the long term, we'll reduce some of that chicken little sky is falling mentality. I think we'll be better prepared for those compliance changes. We'll be better prepared for the long haul and we won't have to feel like it's a fire drill every time something Mm -hmm. changes. Um, I think that there are some who have experienced that to a degree and who have moved the needle, but it's still a, a battle. And part of it, I think, is also um, 
any industry sees entry-level employees oftentimes as replaceable. And I think that that's part of the issue. That's why we see the turnover at the levels that we do. Mm-hmm. And when we stop thinking that way, if you start realizing that you're inviting somebody to be kind of part of your employment family, mm-hmm. that's, that's the world we live in now. You can't just treat them as a number. They're a person. They're giving you just as much as you're giving them. It needs to be a two-way street. And if we start understanding that, I think the value of training will go up. And here's my thing, going off of that, I don't know of many other industries where your most entry-level employee can cost you your entire business. Right. I was going to say, how much is on their shoulders? How are we not putting our all into them Mm -hmm. to make them want to stay there and grow your business with you? Mm -hmm. you? If you put as much into your employees as you do into trying to save money on cutting costs along the way you would be exponentially richer in human capital. Mm -hmm. That is a term that I learned from Sarah Howard. (laughs) You would be rich in human capital and human capital would get you further than anything. I mean, really companies are built on the backs of humans, right? Well, and and going back to kind of the, the old and boring management philosophy, there's kind of two ways to think about it. There's theory X and theory Y, if you want to get into the technicalities of it. Theory X is where employees are inherently lazy. Um, you have to tell them what to do, when to do it, and how to do it. And if you leave them to their own devices, they're not going to get things done. Theory why is that people are inherently motivated and given the right environment and the right motivations, they're going to work hard for you. And I subscribe to theory why. I think a lot of mm-hmm. millennials subscribe to theory why. And if you give people the right environments, they are going to do amazing things for you. Just Absolutely. get out of your way. Mm-hmm. Within boundaries. Of yeah. course, with right. cannabis, there are boundaries, but mostly I think managers need to get out of the way. And if you provide this training, they're going to thrive and they're going to grow your company bigger than you can even imagine. Right. Yeah. It, it, this all ties back into that like work-life balance. It's really, it's really all about that. But I also, I had um, the senior director of human resources at one of my other uh, jobs had a really cool philosophy on employees and working with them she said that there are no bad employees just someone in the wrong position and even though they're of course bad employees I know that firsthand it changes your mindset and it it teaches you to look at the situation a little differently maybe they're not a bad employee they're just not thriving in their environment or they're not getting the right motivations to foster that engagement in them so I think it's really important to look at people that way as well for sure, and I think um, you know. Also, on millennials, you have to ask those questions. You have to ask, you know, hey, can I also do this, or can I try that, or you know, I don't need to be paid more. Can I just do this extra thing just so I can learn about it? Mm-hmm. I think those are things that I've always done. That it wasn't like, hey, I need to be in this position. It was more like, can I just do this because I'm kind of, I'm sitting here kind of twiddling my thumbs and I like to be doing something. Can I just try this? You know, and most people are gonna be like, sure, knock yourself out, here you go. Mm-hmm. And I think that over time, you're gonna accumulate skills and you're gonna start moving up because people are gonna say, hey, so-and-so wants to work, they're trying, and maybe that's just how you are, but at the same time, you have to be asking those questions. You have to be looking for opportunities. You have to at least be you know, cognizant and, and kind of motivating yourself. I agree wholeheartedly with that. I think sometimes we get into trouble um, because sometimes people don't take that initiative, like you just said. So you went and said, hey, can I try this? Can maybe not have to pay me anymore, but can I, can I play in the sandbox, essentially? Can I experiment? And I think that's where it's really help, helpful and valuable. But I've also run into it where managers expect that when you ask for new duties and responsibilities, 
they assume that you're also expecting that pay raise, or maybe you actually have asked for that pay raise. Um, and I would encourage people, you know, who are in that realm to maybe try it first before the pay raise comes. Because oftentimes I, I've been this person who went and asked for my raise before I kind of did the leg, leg work. I've learned since then that the value is in the work itself and the learning experience. And oftentimes the pay raise will come anyways. People will notice your hard work. They will notice your efforts. Um, just expand your horizons and expand your experience and the rest will follow. So I'm going to take the other side of that and say, especially in the cannabis industry, yes, absolutely ask questions about new processes and can I do this, can I learn that without expecting a pay raise, but don't let yourself be taken advantage of. I've been in positions and I've worked with, I don't know, any friend of mine in the industry who hasn't had this experience where all of a sudden you were hired for one thing, but then you have, you're also the head of eight different departments because there's only (laughs) 10 people in the company and who else is going to do it? And you're so good at it anyway. Can you just add this on? And then before I know it, I'm working 55 hours just to make up the work that I need to do, let alone the list that I still have at the end of every week that falls into Monday, you know, just don't let yourself be taken advantage of. I think it's, but, but also make sure that you are asking those questions and learning these new processes and showing that you are willing to do the work. I think that's a perfect segue to kind of what I was going to talk about, um, coming to self-awareness. So if you know yourself really well, you're going to understand kind of what motivates you and what doesn't. And if you don't know those things, then you can use those projects and those kind of stretch opportunities to learn about yourself. So rather than um, kind of always focusing on the pay raise, you're increasing your abilities. And as you increase your abilities, people are going to start to recognize your talent. And maybe they're not people within your organization. Maybe they're people outside. I want people, the more self-aware you become, the more you realize your own talents and your own abilities. And maybe they're not serving you well where you are. Somebody else is going to notice, and good talent really can work where they want. So if you continue to improve your skills and continue to learn and grow and actually do the work, um, good employers will notice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, to be fair, I did take that whole experience and turn it into a really great position that I'm in now. Like Now I'm consulting, and I do have like a work-life balance, and I'm, I'm where I want to be in my career. It did take a lot of blood, sweat, and tears, though. (laughs) <laughs> Certainly does. I bet all four of us at this table would say Can that we, say could, that. Uh, Absolutely. we could fill buckets with blood sweat. <laughs> oh my goodness. It's off though. Yeah, yeah, and that's part of the off. fun looking back. I mean, I think you can you can look back and as painful as it might have been during the process, you look back and you're like, wow, I climbed that mountain. Mm-hmm. I conquered it. I mean, that Everest is done. Bring right. on the next one. It is, right. yeah. And I think moreover, like what I learned is that, hey, I've made it through that. It wasn't that bad. If I have to do it again, I could do it again. You know, uh, we were talking about on the way over here, um, speaking of like caffeine and over-caffeinating, but being in this industry, in the cannabis industry, you don't know how to not be stressed out. Like everything (laughs) is a fire. Everything is, I mean, it's just so stressful. Every regulation change. You're working in a gray area, so you don't really know. Half the time you're like, is this legal? Oh, let's hope so. Like, you know, you, you don't really have the resources for people to tell you definitive answers for a lot of what you're doing so we're used to being high strung stressed out kind of like always going I don't know where I was going with that but well I think I don't know being aware of that is a good first step I don't know that that's healthy for the long term but I think there's a lot of us with that mentality in the industry because people who get things done tend to be successful Um, and I think a lot of the license holders that we have and especially as you see other states crop up the people who are 
who are working really hard and stressing out are the ones who are succeeding. But there's got to be a point where that kind of pulls back a little bit. We can't live like that our whole lives. Oh, so, yeah. I mean, looking at the, the older generations, we can also learn from them in that way and not necessarily lose focus to that work-life balance, mm-hmm. understand what matters to us and why we're doing it in the first place. Because mm-hmm. yeah. I've heard many people lose marriages and all mm-hmm. kinds of other things that we're working too hard and I just got married this summer so I know for a fact that is not the life that I want and I think us millennials can really affect that if we know early in our lives what's important to us and we often check in um, we'll stay aligned it's just easier said than done you gotta know what's important to you and why we're doing what we're doing we have to stop glamorizing busy Yes, oh, busy. Not a badge of honor. Oh, I've just been right. so busy. Right. You know. I guess like, I guess like I've seen like the entrepreneurial quotes of like working eighty hours a week, and nowadays I'm like, if you're working eighty hours a week, you're doing something inherently wrong here. You're not managing right. your time properly. Yeah, <laughs> oh, I exactly. love to hear that come out of your mouth. That's because there's most things yeah. that you could do that's like you can logically get a lot done in a forty hour work week. I think I seen something somewhere where it's like the common employees only working so much of like the day because a lot of times they're trying to find other stuff to do. Mm-hmm. And so those, you know, just work smarter, not harder, I guess. Absolutely. Well, I think everybody's different. I mean, this this mentality that there's a right way to work and a right number of hours to work is nonsense to me. I mean, my early career, I enjoyed running circles around my coworkers, but I also didn't really have a social life. Mm-hmm. Um, I chose that. Looking back, I wish I had had a little more awareness to what I was doing, you know, because I was sort of getting value out of something that really didn't help me, didn't further me too much, and sort of missed having fun um but I did you, the same thing yeah mm-hmm. I mean right out of college <clears throat> this is such a millennial thing for me to say right now but by my Instagram account there is a three-year gap of just <laughs> like I just stopped posting anything and it it was because I was working so hard and so much in this industry I didn't keep up with any of my friends I was so tired I didn't go out I didn't and and I thought I was I glamorized it. I was like, oh, I'm just too busy for friendships and I'm working too hard and this is my career and blah, blah, blah. But it's not healthy and it's not... Yeah, I don't know when we started putting a badge of honor on busyness, but I hope we can change that. That's one of my personal crusades. Same. Indeed, because it's just not... We're all going to be strung out by the time we're 60 mm-hmm. if we're not careful. Oh, for right. sure, yeah. Well, that's why we all have cannabis. <laughs> yes! Yeah. So, Sounds like you all need cannabis yoga. Place, yeah, I was like, yoga would be good. So hopefully mm-hmm. those are things that people try to incorporate. Well, and I think that's a great point, is, is we are in an industry that actually is really fun. So think about these stressful issues. I mean, I used to work in oil and gas, renewables, mm-hmm. just energy in general. It definitely wasn't this much fun. So even though we have a lot of those those stressful things and we're in a very weird industry where things are changing and it feels like a fire every day. It's so much fun and we're part of a really cool movement. We're also really lucky and we're privileged so lucky. to work in this. I feel very privileged sure. to work in this environment and to work in cannabis in general. Not a lot of people, not, I mean, really think about the amount of, if you just think about the amount of people in the cannabis industry, it's like single digits percentage wise of all other industries. Mm-hmm. That you it's can think of, portion. really. So, We're yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here complaining about it this whole time, but I do love it. it <laughs> no, it's, it's fun to also align my two lives. I mean, I know I've always been a cannabis user and enthusiast, and it's helped me deal with the stress of my business. I mean, I used to look forward to that at the end of every day when I'd get yeah. home, and it's really nice to be 100% authentic about it now. You know, in previous industries and careers, you weren't always as able to be 
open about it. I mean, all of my previous coworkers, I think they're pretty aware of what, what I do now Mm -hmm. and and all of that. And it's really nice to just kind of find that truth, if you will, to bring Mm -hmm. all the truths together. So that's another cool part about what we get to do every day. That's a great point because we are probably one of the, I mean, we are the industry, so we are the first industry where it's allowable probably to smoke weed and then not be subject to a drug test. Right. And I feel like there's still people who take abuse and abuse that policy. And Absolutely. There's no need to because you should be very proud of that. It's a very much a privilege. So there's very many people who are still getting popped for, you know, coming up hot for cannabis and losing their job over it and the employer having the legal right to do so. Right, mm-hmm. exactly. Even in, in Colorado, people don't realize that either. Just because Colorado legalized cannabis doesn't mean that you're not going to get drug tested at your job. And you can absolutely lose your job. Well, and that used to be my job, was to drug test and fire people (laughs) when they were doing safety-sensitive type positions or driving, for that matter. Um, So it's really nice to kind of have a little bit better alignment and not have to do that every day. Although I I saw the purpose for it. I mean, if you're driving for a company time, it totally makes sense why you should be doing that. But not having to fire people for that feels pretty good. Sure, and I think, you know, there's still... (laughs) Laws need to be changed. That's kind of like the point of episode 30 or, you know, season three was to talk about laws and things need to change. That's probably one of them still is a workplace drug usage law that probably needs to change. There's nothing that stops you from having a 12 pack of beer the night before and going to work the next day or Jesus Christ having a beer, you know, three hours before work and then nobody's going to say anything about it. Right. Um, Which to me is never a good thing. I don't think smoking weed at work is ever a good thing. You should never do that. But if you go and consume, say, on the weekend or have an edible at a friend's house and you, know, you don't go kill anybody and don't end up in the police blogger, I think it's okay for you to come back to work Monday and perform your job. Mm-hmm, right. And you shouldn't have to you know, live in fear of losing your job or even lose your job over it. Exactly. So I do think that's one thing that really needs to change in you know, U.S. laws and probably won't change until it's federally legal, but it should be like the first thing that changes when that happens. Well, one of the big things, if, if you don't happen to be in the industry and you want a job that's a little more likely to allow your consumption, don't work for a federal contractor. Because that's by law not allowed. They're regulated by um, the office of OFCCP, and that's one of their top requirements. But if they're not a government contractor, there are companies existing out there. I actually met one last week that's doing, um, instead of doing the 10-panel drug test, they do nine. They take THC off the board. And so that's starting to happen in waves in Colorado outside of our industry. So it's positive. And a problem, too, is with CBD... Um, my sister actually did some research on this. There was a, I think it's in the teens, like a 19 or something percent chance of a false positive with CBD just because of the way the test is and how it looks for that THC molecule. So you're now running into people who aren't even using cannabis, mm-hmm. maybe having false positives. And I'm sure that the instance of someone getting fired for that are very low, but it's still something to think about. And it, it is off-putting for a lot of people who want to use CBD or other cannabinoids for medication, but they won't because mm-hmm. they're in fear of losing their jobs. Mm-hmm. And these people need them, you know, for medicinal purposes, and they're not able to use that, so then they're turning to prescription medication, which is not a better alternative. It's and a whole right. cycle. It's a whole problem. Yeah, and I try to consult with clients outside of the industry occasionally when they're trying to figure out how to navigate this new world. You know, there's a lot of businesses that feel like they can't get enough employees because they have to drug test yeah. and they can't because they can't hire anybody because they're all testing Who, positive. like the FBI or something, can't come up with any candidates because... Yeah, I guess like, there's a lot of manufacturing so places. There's smoke. some restaurants locally that have closed because they can't fill staff, oh, wow. fill their staff. Well, I can see that. But they're changing their mentality a little bit about how they go about it and what the conversation is. So I often just kind of bring it up, treat it like any other prescription drug. If somebody uses it medicinally, 
have them go through their doctor, have the doctor make the recommendation based on their job description. So it has nothing to do with you. So the doctor looks at the job description and signs off and says, yes, they can do these things under the influence or no, they can't. And then the employer gets to stay out of it. Mm -hmm. um, and there's always accommodations that can be made. It's about safety from my perspective when it comes mm -hmm. to that. We need to, we need to do a lot of stuff like that for the, the medical side of it. Um, especially if you're a medical patient, you should be able to show that to your employer mm -hmm. and have that factored into any type of drug test you might have to take. But we don't even have really HIPAA laws for the medical side of cannabis. I could get into all of that, but <laughs> we definitely need standardized practices like that. Yeah, and I, th I think workplace. people are open to it more and more, uh, even in places you don't expect it. So mm -hmm. I think it's positive for listeners who aren't as lucky as we are to be in the industry. Um, there's hope out there, I promise. There's a lot of really good mm -hmm. organizations that are changing their ways and recognizing that you're talented young people and just because of the fact that you use it medicinally or recreationally, it doesn't change the fact that you'd be a good employee. Mm -hmm. Right. And we've talked to a lot of people when, we first got, when I first got in the industry, they were like, oh, you're going to career suicide, you're ruining your career, blah, blah, blah. And I laugh now because I tell people about it. And, you know, at first I was all scared of even mentioning that I work in the industry. And uh, you tell people and they're very curious about it. I've never once had anybody, like, scorn me or say, you damn stoner, you know, what are you doing with your life? They're all like, great, what do you do? You know, tell me about it. And they're so interested. Mm -hmm. And I think that's how, even if, you know, maybe they've been against it their whole life, people are for it generally, or at least, you know, accepting of it in some instances. So... Um, just have patience. I mean, it's all going to change. It just all takes time, especially millennials. We all know you guys struggle with patience a little bit, so I bear have with zero everything. patience. <laughs> zero. It, it can definitely be a problem. I've worked on my own patience, so been there. <laughs> yeah, I think we all struggle with patience in general. I I don't know. We all live in an instant gratification kind of society. Mm -hmm. We've we've changed the way we consume everything. So now we want, you know, we can order something on Amazon and it can be at our door. Some cities in an hour right. um, we order DoorDash and Uber Eats and it's at our door in 20 minutes you know mm -hmm. there's a reason we're a little bit impatient mm -hmm. it's not all our fault <laughs> the bane of technology I guess yes <laughs> it's true a good and a bad. it frustrates me when I actually have to wait seven days for a package right <laughs> I'm like what world do we live in <laughs> right. I straight up didn't get a package from the post arrive. office oh, it didn't arrive office. mom's banana bread Darn it! <laughs> like the worst thing to go missing. Yeah. Somebody took it and enjoyed it. Oh, they absolutely, right. yeah, <laughs> they absolutely like that. did. For sure. Not a surprise. All right, cool. ladies. Well, thank you so much for coming out and talking to us about millennials. I think we all learned a little bit more. And if you are a listener and you are happen to be a millennial and you're not in the industry, I hope you take all of their advice to heart and utilize it in your current you know, job. Even if you aren't in the industry, the same rules apply. So definitely just keep working hard and educating yourselves and moving forward. Thank you for having us. Mm -hmm. Thank Absolutely you. Absolutely appreciate fun. it. All right. And with that, I'm Lit. I'm Lucid. And that's it. Laters. This episode of Lit and Lucid Podcast is produced in partnership with YooHoo Creative and Design. YooHoo Creative specializes in marketing, social media management, content creation, and other creative needs. YooHoo, helping your company become who you need to be. If you're interested in learning more, hit us up at yoohooCreative at gmail.com.